Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. What a great time of worship. That's probably the best masked worship I've ever had. Um, and I'm just so encouraged by, um, you know, I just thought of, I thought of, um, you know, Paul and Silas, how they were stuck in prison and, um, and they don't let that sort of slow them down and God moves incredibly in that time in prison. And, and I just felt when we were just having that worship time before and the team led us so beautifully, but masks aren't going to slow down uh, the worship of the God of the universe. And I really felt that when we were worshipping and it was just really wonderful. So thanks, team, for your faithfulness in leading us. It must be uh, a challenge, but God is doing great things in that space still. So, yeah, encourage them. Yeah. Give them a clap. These guys aren't rock stars. They're not getting royalties for this sort of thing. You know, they serve the give of their time and their energy and their talent so that we can draw closer to God together into great ministry. Our present challenge is this. It's delight in God. Delight in God. And over the past few weeks, we've been reflecting on this challenge using the text from Psalm 37. Psalm 37 is a psalm of David written as wisdom literature or in a similar style to the Proverbs. So it's, it's written more for a human audience in mind rather than just directly uh, expressed to God. Um, and it's probably written by David in the later years of his life, which is when you've got to get out all the golden nuggets before you graduate into heaven. And in verse 3 and 4 of Psalm 37, it says this, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, there are many layers to what it might mean to delight in the Lord, but the aspect that I want to spend time just considering today, just want to spend time on one aspect, and that is satisfaction. Satisfaction. Because when you truly delight in something, then you are also simultaneously satisfied by what you delight in two sort of happen together. It's like this. The other day I was fasting. And so for those of you who don't know what fasting is in a Christian sense, it's where we abstain from something for a period of time in order to draw closer to God and to hear from him a little more clearly. And so I was fasting from food and I was at work. And uh, that day while I was fasting was also the day that one of my colleagues decided that he would get a huge bunch of hot chips and bring them into the office. And I'm not sure of the scientific reasons behind this, but there is something about the smell of hot chips that instantly makes you want them. And even the thought of the smell of hot chips. So right now, you're starting to think, oh yeah, that wouldn't be bad. We could swing past Red Rooster and grab some. I don't know who picks up chips from Red Rooster. (laughs) Yeah, KFC, yes, probably more likely. Anyway, um, so he was there um, filling himself with hot chips while I was trying to fill myself with the Holy Spirit. And um, I could just feel this bad attitude just brewing in me, you know. Um, How dare he, you know, when I'm trying to be so holy. But I wasn't that holy because the whole rest of the day all I could think about was hot chips. Now, uh, a week later, another one of my colleagues went out and bought some hot chips. So twice in the one week. I think he bought these ones because the smell from the hot chips the week before had lingered and done their business on his subconscious. 
Anyway, but this day I wasn't fasting. I had brought my own lunch and it was quite delicious. I heated it up in the microwave, which killed all the nutrients, but did create a nice smell. And then after I had my lunch, I was completely satisfied. And so the smell of the hot chips didn't work on me because I was totally satisfied by my lunch. Now, delight is a bit like this. No one delights in a meal and simultaneously longs for something else. No one delights on their tropical or in their tropical holiday and simultaneously wishes they were back home. That's because when someone is truly delighted by something, they are simultaneously deeply satisfied by it. So our relationship with God works this way as well. If you delight in him, then you are simultaneously satisfied by him. Psalm 84.10 says this, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Now this psalm wasn't written by David, but it was it's credited to the sons of Korah, who aren't the contemporary Christian worship band. I think they took their name from these guys rather than the other way around. The sons of Korah were descendants of Korah, who's got an unusual history in the Bible, but they were essentially worship leaders and prophets. And they probably wrote it around the time of the reign of King David. So this was before King David's son Solomon had become king and therefore before the temple had been built. So when the author here is talking about being uh, one day, better as one day in your house, he's talking probably about the tabernacle, which was where the Ark of the Covenant was and where all the priestly activities happened at that point in Israel's history. And while I'm sure that the author loved being at the tabernacle, the psalm is not about loving being in a tent. The real meaning here is that he would rather be with God than anywhere else. And we can see it too in the context of this second part of the psalm where it talks about I'd rather be there than in the tents of the wicked. Now, the tents of the wicked wasn't like a slum community somewhere. The tents of the wicked is an allusion to the strength and might and power of the empires that surrounded the kingdom of Israel. The kingdom of Israel was a small-time player in ancient history. It wasn't a big place. And what this psalmist is saying is that he is completely satisfied with being in the humble tabernacle of the kingdom of Israel because that is where his God is. Can you sense the delight here in what the psalmist is saying? It's almost romantic in its notion. I would rather be here than anywhere else. It reminds me of the first Christmas when I was dating my wife, Sky, um, and we were at her house and Christmas was coming up and she asked me, what I wanted for Christmas. And without hesitating, I looked her straight in the eyes and said, baby, all I want for Christmas is you. And then this sleigh bell started ringing, da-dang, 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 dang, whole bunch of dancers came in. No, it wasn't, it wasn't quite as romantic as I thought it might be. I think she laughed. But it's a similar sort of sentiment in this psalm, right? I would rather one day in your presence, God, than to live a thousand anywhere else. I would rather one day in your presence, God, than a thousand days with all of the money and riches 
in the world. I would rather one day in your presence, God, than a thousand in an overwater bungalow in the Maldives. I would rather one day in your presence, God, than a thousand doing anything anywhere else. Delighting in God, being in his presence is deeply satisfying. Now, this isn't the only psalmist who expresses this sentiment. Another ancient songwriter and psalmist, Asaph, writes in Psalm 73 from verse 25 to 26, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Whom have I in heaven but you? Earth has nothing that I could desire beside you. Who could compare to you, God? What could possibly delight and satisfy me as much as you do? And again, hundreds of years later, in a completely different time, in a completely different place, the Apostle Paul writes in the book of Philippians in chapter 3, while he was imprisoned in Rome, he wrote this, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Time and time again throughout the Bible, these romantic statements about God come up. Better is one day with you than a thousand elsewhere. Earth has nothing that I desire besides you. I consider everything garbage compared to knowing you. Delighting in our great and mighty God is simultaneous with being deeply and completely satisfied with knowing him. These statements in the Bible, all by different men at different points in history, doing different things and in various stages of suffering and prosperity, all point to the fact that it is possible to be completely delighted and completely satisfied just by knowing God. That is great news. In a world that is finding itself increasingly dissatisfied, we have a God who has made himself known to all mankind and who, if we come to know, will satisfy the deepest aches of your heart and your soul. That is amazing news. But here comes the hard bit. Because sadly, this is not always the case in our lives. So why is it that if just being with God is enough, to truly satisfy us that this isn't always the case in our Christian experience? It's a good question, isn't it? Well, in the time that I've left, I, I want to try and address this question a little bit. Um, I don't have all the answers, but I have spent some time praying about it, and I think this is some of what God would like me to share. So here's the quick answer. The quick answer, brace yourselves, is that the problem lies with us. This is like the classic line in a breakup. It's not you, it's me. It's not you, God. It's me. 
And it is. We are broken sinners. And that's not to make anyone feel bad or throw you under the bus. It's the reality of life. We are broken sinners. And the problem isn't God. If the problem was God, he wouldn't be God, at least not how he describes himself and has revealed himself to us, because God is as perfect and as good and as delightful and as satisfying as he always has been and always will be. So unfortunately, it comes to our side of the relationship. Now, we can get all down in the dumps about this, okay? <laughs> but we've got to make sure we look at both sides of it here. So you can focus on how we seem to fail at the being satisfied by God thing, or we can see the invitation here that God has given us to be completely and deeply satisfied by him. We have right here with us the one thing that will completely satisfy us forever. See, you can hobble through life as a bitter Christian if you want. You can. I'll give you some great news. Jesus will still take you if you're grumpy. Plenty of grumpy, miserable, sour-faced Christians will make it into heaven if that's what you're worried about. Jesus will take you if you're grumpy. But if we just change our position a little bit, shift our posture a little bit, then we can live a life of absolute satisfaction and delight in God's presence. It is possible. Not because of us, because of the nature of the God who is inviting us into his presence. So in the time we have left, I want to explore some of the things in our posture, in our side of the relationship, which can get in the way of us experiencing deep satisfaction in the presence of God. So you're ready to hear some challenging things. Oh, yeah. yeah we're, all, we're all excited for the worship and we're excited for the giving. We're excited to see James on the news. But are you excited? to hear some hard things. It's all right if you're not. It's okay. I'm going to tell you them anyway. And it's okay too. I don't share these as, you know, Mr. Perfect up here on the stage. You've got to understand when you prepare a message, God does a work in your heart the weeks leading up to it. These are things that he is challenging me on and working on with me. So I don't share these from a point of completion. I share them from a point of progress. I'm a work in progress, just like we all are. So first one. We don't spend time with him. You can't be satisfied by a meal that you don't eat. You can't be satisfied by a house that you don't live in. You can't be satisfied by a holiday that you don't take. And you can't be satisfied by a God that you don't spend any time with. Last year, I, um, I received a group message in my Facebook messenger inbox from some friends. If you were in crisis, if your house was burning down, you were being abducted by aliens and you really needed to reach me, don't know why you'd want to reach me first of all, but if you did, if I was the person that you needed to reach in that crisis, do not contact me via social media. The only thing I've got is a Facebook account that I check biannually, <laughs> if that. So my friends were trying to get in contact with, with me and they couldn't. So they tried contact me on my phone and they couldn't. So they contacted my wife on her phone and she could get in contact with me and said, your friends are trying to get in contact with you, check on Facebook. So I, um, I logged on and found out that the, the messages on my Facebook were from my old band that I was in prior to having tons of kids. And it was a band that consisted of some of my best friends 
And uh, we used to spend multiple days and nights together every week, hanging out, writing and rehearsing songs, carrying our gear in and out of the dingiest pubs you've ever seen, doing our own recordings, doing a lot of nothing really. And we had so many good memories together. Lots of good laughs, deep conversations, and a fair share of petty, silly fights. The guy who played drums in our band um, is now in the UK, and he was a little bored with the lockdowns, and so he dug around up in his computer and found some of our old songs and said, why don't we release some of our old songs and we'll do it under a new name. And so this is what the messages were about. So, um, so we did, we created a, a new name, um, made up a little bio, did some images, put a little you know, music video thing together and then released the track mid last year in the middle of all the lockdowns. And it was great fun. And while it didn't exactly set the world on fire, we did get this. Our track peaked at number four on the alternative music charts in Spain. Yeah. This is big news. I mean, you've pretty much got the Billboard 200 and then just underneath that is the iTunes alternative chart in Spain. <laughs> it's big bickies. Anyway, the, the night before our song was uh, debuted on the radio, we got together and caught up for a burger. And uh, we even had our, our drummer zoom in for the, for the night. And it was just like old times. It really was. The jokes were the same, the banter, the connections. And even though it had been years since we'd all hung out together like that, it felt great. It had been years since we'd been together like that. But reuniting like it made me realize how much I missed it. I missed it. The thing I missed most of all is I missed them and the, and the, the dynamic of us all together. Now, how much is our satisfaction linked to spending time with what we delight in? Sometimes with God, we simply don't make time for him and he becomes a bit like my old band. Something that you had great affection for but no longer delights you. And the reason is really simple. You miss him. You just don't spend the time with him. You can't possibly be satisfied by him if you don't spend time with him. In the book of Revelation, the final book of the Bible, Jesus says this to the church of Ephesus at the start of chapter 2. Now, this little letter that Jesus is, is dictating to John in a vision for Ephesus, he starts off by talking about all the wonderful things they do, how much he loves them and he's proud of them. And then he says this, I have this against you. The love you had at first is gone. Remember how far you have fallen. Return to me. Return to me and change the way you think and act and do what you did at first. Now it's God's turn to use some romantic language. Return to me. Come back to me. All you need is in me. Come back. Can't be satisfied by being in God's presence if you don't spend time in his presence. Return to him. The second challenge that I wanted to share flows on from this first one of not spending the time with him. And that's this, we look elsewhere. When it comes to our satisfaction, we look elsewhere. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus compares the kingdom of God to a precious pearl. He says this in Matthew 13, verse 45 to 40, 46. 
Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. It's worth noting here that in the ancient world, pearls were very rare. So for those of you who don't know where pearls come from, pearls come from oysters and oysters come from the sea. And, uh, and for us in Australia, we think, oh, big deal. You know, we're in, in and out of the water all the time. You know, that's why we're dominating at the Olympics at the moment. I use the Royal Wee. I've done nothing. <laughs> I sat there and had a piece of my birthday cake watching someone win a swimming race. I haven't really contributed. But in Australia, we're very comfortable with water. And we have great diving equipment and technology now. 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, that was not the relationship that people had with the water. It was seen as a very dangerous place. People would fish on the water and they would use it to get places, but it's very dangerous. And in fact, the sea was often used as an analogy for death and for the afterlife. So here is this pearl worth more than anything else. It's rare, precious. But look at what the merchant needed to do in order to enjoy this pearl. He had to sell everything else. Up until that point, he had been looking elsewhere for his treasure, but now he could stop. There's no need to look elsewhere. He'd found it. Matthew Henry notes this about this parable. All the children of men are busy. One would be rich, one would be honourable, another would be learned, but most are deceived and take up with counterfeits for pearls. They take up with counterfeits for pearls. Jesus Christ is a pearl of great price. In having him, we have enough to make us happy here and forever. In having him, we have enough to make us happy here and forever. We take up with counterfeits for pearls. We look elsewhere. The point is this. If you keep looking elsewhere for your delight and satisfaction, then you won't find it in God. If you are too busy holding on to other things more closely than you would God, then you will not be able to find complete satisfaction with him. You'll pass up on the pearl of great price. It's a bit like an affair. I know a heavy example to use, but it's a good one. You can be completely satisfied in your marriage with your spouse. If you invest of your time, energy, and affection into your marriage, you can be completely satisfied with your spouse. However, the minute that your heart or mind starts to wander, the minute that happens, a horrible thing will happen in your heart. You will start to become dissatisfied. And the dissatisfaction has nothing to do with your spouse and everything to do with your heart. And the delight leaves. You look elsewhere and you lose the satisfaction and delight that is available right there in front of you. And this is a picture of what we have with God. Knowing him can completely satisfy you. However, if you look elsewhere, you start to lose what you have. We sell ourselves short and miss out on the pearl of great price because we thought something better was on offer elsewhere, and there isn't. We pass up on the pearl of great price because the plastic jewellery in the $2 shop looks more exciting. We understand, we underestimate what our heart is longing for. 
I'll say that again. We underestimate what our heart is longing for. We figure that knowing God isn't that fun or exciting or or satisfying. It's more of a a duty or a chore. C.S. Lewis said this, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. How's that for a quote? We opt for playing in the mud over swimming in the sea. We look elsewhere thinking that knowing God couldn't be nearly as exciting as something else. We are far too easily pleased. We look elsewhere. Last challenge. We underestimate God. Again, this flows on very closely from the last point. I've separated them into points, but they're very interlocking. You've got to separate things into points when you're preaching so you can remember things and organize your notes when you're writing them down. But they're all linked together. We are far too easily pleased. We have a small view of God. Psalm 19, a psalm of King David says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. I want to share an image with you which I think has become problematic to the representation of Christianity and it's, uh, it's this one here, not particularly this one from Google Images, but it's an example. This little brand image of a, uh, of, a, of a child playing a harp on a lonely cloud has become what we often associate of heaven with. Never mind the fact that none of you probably has ever picked up a harp. Never mind the fact that Everyone hates social distancing. So the fact of having your own clouds separated from each other forever, drifting around in a nighty doesn't sound like a wild time for anyone. Similarly, uh, there's been a misrepresentation or bad branding of God. God tends to be represented as a sullen old man with a white flowing beard who sits there miserable, understandably, at the sound of all these horrible harps. Never cracks a smile. He looks bored and disinterested and sometimes mean. He looks like this guy, who is the old street sweeper from the original Home Alone movie. It's a great movie, by the way, a great Christmas film. This is a small and inaccurate view of God. The Bible does not describe God this way. In fact, when we're given a snapshot into the throne room of heaven, it's a noisy, noisy place. It is radiant in beauty, filled with shouts and songs of praise. It is a place of great delight. And while we can't peep in there just yet ourselves, God has made a world for us that he delights in and that every moment is shouting out his praise. The heavens declare his glory, the skies the work of his hands. 
Every spectacular sunset, every child's laugh, every amazing meal, every great evening with friends, every warm hug, every great work achievement, every beautifully crafted artwork, every carefully and lovingly written song, every sturdy and strong building, all of these things reflect the greatness of our God. If you don't think you can be satisfied by knowing God, then you have a small view of him. Being satisfied by God is not trying to play a harp by yourself for a grumpy old man. Being satisfied by God is knowing the full beauty and power of His presence, seeing the wonder of His handiwork in all of creation and feeling His good pleasure on you as you do what He has given you the skills and the calling to do. We need a bigger view of how great our God is is. We underestimate God. We underestimate His power. We underestimate His grace. We underestimate His righteousness. We underestimate His justice. We underestimate His beauty. We underestimate His joy. We underestimate His peace. We underestimate the deep, deep satisfaction that comes from knowing God. We need a bigger view of our great and mighty God. We don't spend time with Him. We look elsewhere and we underestimate him. In the midst of all these challenges that I've just shared, let's remember the good news here. Danger with a message like this, you can be like, oh no, I'm failing at Christianity, failing at following God. That's not what this is about. Remember the good news. The good news is that we have a God in whom we can be completely and deeply satisfied in forever. And what's more, that same God has literally moved heaven and earth to make it as simple as possible for us to be in his presence. All it takes is for us to look to him to spend time sitting in his presence and to allow our view of him to grow. And that is the invitation that I want to offer you today. If you're tired of being bitter, if you're tired of being negative, if you're tired of being tired, if you're tired of being dissatisfied, if that's you, then why don't we take the opportunity right now to spend some time delighting in his presence. He is good and he is perfect and he is deeply satisfying. He is our God and he has made himself available to us, even right now. So I'm going to pray. The team's going to come back up again and we're going to do another song. And I just want you to take this moment to spend the time in God's presence. Allow yourself to be delighted in his presence and to experience that deep satisfaction that only being in the presence of our great and glorious King Jesus can bring. Lord, I thank you that you have done everything possible to grant us access into your presence. What we were made to do, to be with you and enjoy you forever. 
Lord, I thank you that we have this moment now. And right now, God, we just want to be still and spend the time in your presence, Lord. Thank you, God, that you will meet with us. Thank you that you are so deeply satisfying. Thank you that we have a God who is absolutely delightful. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Take some time now to consider what really stood out to you in that message. God has been speaking to you. What is it that he said to you? If you're in the room with someone else, turn and share with them what stood out to you. And I say to them, how can I pray for you? Share with them something that you love about God and something that you're thankful for this week. Or phone someone and ask them those questions. What do you love about God? What are you thankful for this week? And how can I pray for you? Bless you and have a great week.